Hey there, it's Tracy Tully and you're listening to Tracy Tully Talks at bbsradio.com, the place to be right now, streaming live with another 60 minutes of thought-provoking topics, sharing with you conversations that are relevant today, tomorrow and in the future. Join me each week on Thursday mornings at 10am Australian time, AEST, 5pm Wednesday PT, hello Los Angeles. If you missed the live show, jump onto your favourite podcasting platform and you'll find me on Tracy Tully Talks. We do have some adult language, so if you have some little ones around, pop on your earphones. Hello and welcome to Tracy Tully Talks and it's Tracy here and we are broadcasting live from a little town called Kunnamulla in the great southwest of Queensland in Australia. So this is what we call the outback. Whilst you can't see it, we're enjoying the freedom of the country out here and the silence and the beautiful skies, stars and moon. With me today in the studio, I have Margaret Gilbert. And we welcome Margaret joining us today. Oops. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. Welcome. Okay. So, Margaret, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Who's Margaret Gilbert? Who is Margaret Gilbert? Uh, I grew up in the South Burnet, uh, born and bred, uh, lived on uh, acreage, uh, quite a big farm uh, with uh, cattle and, in those days, peanuts, uh, and in the later years, uh, Debosia plantations. So extensive uh, time I grew up in the bush. Then I moved to the Big Smoke, uh, capital city of Queensland, uh, which is Brisbane, to do my nursing. Uh, In between that, I went to boarding school and had made a decision that I wanted to be uh, a nurse. Mm. So I met Margaret uh, a couple of months ago. Margaret is the president of the Nurses Professional Association of Queensland and I invited Margaret to talk today and tell us a little bit about herself. So what actually led you to nursing, Margaret? Well, initially I actually wanted to be a vet, Tracy. Oh, did you? Uh, My mother, uh, being a teacher, told me that I actually had to have a career for all of my life. And she said, could you imagine yourself uh, climbing over stockyards at 40? Uh, So I was quite puzzled. I thought I could. And today I think I could have done that. (laughs) She said, do you need a career for life? Be a doctor. I thought, no, I don't want to be a doctor. Uh, An uncle of ours said to me, why don't you become a nurse? He said, you can do clinical work, you can uh, branch into education or management. You'll have a job for life and you can travel the world with that. So I thought, oh, he's pretty knowledgeable, that's what I'll do. And that was how I decided to follow my path into nursing. Mm, I see. So at what point were you led to seek uh, a leadership role in nursing in Queensland? I was fortunate enough to be socialised at uh, the Royal Brisbane Hospital by brilliant, uh, in those days we called them charge nurses and provided us mentorship in in, uh, management and leadership. And I thought I admired their, their skills. I want to be like them uh, in, sometime in my career. 
Mm. Fortunately, I had the opportunity early in my career to uh, become a, a nurse unit manager. And I was, in fact, at that time, the uh, uh, youngest uh, nurse to become a nurse manager. Uh, I was uh, just uh, at 26 years of age. Uh, it uh, provided such a wide scope of uh, nursing and the ability to implement change within the workplace. So uh, I was so fortunate to be uh, in the right place at the right time. Ah, So we're recording live right now for those listeners and we are in a library in Kanamala. And Kanamala is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometres away, hundreds and hundreds of kilometres away from our major city, which is called Brisbane in Queensland. So there is a lot of background noise. And when you're travelling and on the road and you're in the outback um, countries, this is what you have to do. You need to go to a library to be able to um, to broadcast. So this is what we are in now and this is part of what you're going to pick up today while we speak. So you're, you were a nursing director, Margaret. Tell me. What were the highlights of your career? Again, uh, as a nursing director, I worked in a private hospital. Uh, again, amazing leadership uh, and uh, the, the leader at that particular time, uh, Helen Bamp, she had great foresight into where she saw nursing uh, going into the 21st century Uh in those days, this is going back to last century, in fact, uh, for, for some viewers, uh, I introduced uh, the nursing process into our organisation and actually educated and mentored staff, enrolled nurses and registered nurses. And it was amazing to see how those people uh, blossomed and went on to greater things. So that was one highlight. I then... Um, uh, I had done some tertiary studies and uh, uh, Dorothy Oram, some of you may uh, be aware of, American nurse theorist. I just loved how she thought and how she planned care. And again, I was fortunate enough to be able to implement uh, our uh, care plans uh, and assessments uh, of patients using her structure uh, to uh, provide nursing care. Uh, From there, um, we then had uh, a celebration of uh, the hospital, which was uh, the Wesley Hospital in Brisbane. It was the 10th anniversary. Uh, One of the nurse educators and myself decided we'd love to uh, have a conference and uh, showcase what we were Uh, doing within our organisation. We uh, were given uh, some funding and we brought Dorothea Oram to Australia, which was in those days just something fantastic for nurses to have uh, such a a noted uh, nursing professional Mm. uh, in Australia. Uh, At that conference, I actually presented to um, the... Uh, conference attendees, uh, patient education. And I was so excited at the end when I had uh, university students coming up to thank 
thank me. There was a line of them to thank me uh, and uh, Jill uh, Braid, who was uh, the educator uh, at that time, for actually being able to explain what nursing education was about. They said, we've got exams on this next week and we don't have to study yet. Thank you so much. So uh, those sorts of uh, comments and feedback has spurred me to further uh, the course of nursing in, uh, in Queensland. Yes. So um, you brought across Dorothy from the US and now we're planning right now to go to the US next year. And from my memory, it's Chicago. Is that correct? Yes, I believe so. Yes, uh, that's in planning stages at the moment if our borders are open. Well, if our borders are open and you're in the field of uh, nursing, then uh, no matter where you are in the US, we'd love to hear from you because that's where we, we're planning on heading next year. Uh, so tell me now, we've heard about some of those great uh, strengths and um, successes and achievements that you've um, experienced in your career. What about the challenges? Challenges have been a reasonable number. Uh, first of all, getting uh, people to uh, accept change uh, and uh, I was fortunate to do, do mental health nursing as well and we did significant numbers of um, uh, psychology subjects uh, in that. So I was able to utilise uh, that knowledge base to, uh, to change uh, the workplace, to develop collegiality uh, within the workplace, to empower each uh, and every nurse. So they felt that they had some, something to contribute. Uh, so that, uh, fortunately, uh, was able to, to uh, provide the, uh, the backbone of developing a cohesive team where our uh, team members respected each other for their knowledge base and their skills because we're all different and we all bring different sets of skills to make a composite team. Mm. So if we dial forward now to where we are today, you are the president of the Nurses Professional Association of Queensland. And as an association, you are a union and uh, you're uh, not a new union now. You've got a good size uh, membership. But uh, there's been um, some struggle, hasn't there, breaking into the fold of the old, uh, traditional, long-standing nurses' union in Queensland. Tell me a little bit about that history. Yes, well, uh, historically, uh, I uh, actually worked with uh, some of the uh, members, uh, original members who set up the QNMU. I'm not a traditional uh, or a career unionist, but I felt we did need change uh, at that time to actually support the clinicians uh, in the workplace. Hence, uh, I uh, provided my services voluntarily there and we have seen significant change over, over years. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, over time, many of our colleagues were saying that they didn't feel supported within the workplace by their union. I thought, oh, that's just one person's opinion then it became to become a thread and then a fabric of uh, conversation that people weren't feeling uh, 
supported. Uh, I then discovered that uh, there was um, a new prof- uh, association called Nurses Professional Association of Queensland. Uh, I investigated and thought, this sounds great. It's progressive. It's new. Uh, it's actually been through the change from uh, the RANF uh, into the QNN, QNU. And I thought, well, after all of this time, perhaps it's change, uh, time to change and uh, look at... Uh, this model and yeah. very surprised uh, uh, with it. I did a lot of investigating for a couple of years and then decided to to join uh, the Nurses Professional uh, Association of Queensland and it is, uh, I found it to be dynamic, brilliant team to work with, uh, people that are looking to support nurses on the ground and protect them within the workplace to offer um, support to, to drive change in models of care uh, within uh, the healthcare industry. Mm. So I've been on the road with you for a week now and we've done thousands of kilometres uh, as we've been travelling around <clears throat> Excuse me, and meeting nurses from all different sectors. So we've got aged care nurses, royal flying doctor nurses, midwives etc so there's a large range and since we're out here in the southwest obviously it's a different style of um, service that uh, is has to be offered in these remote and uh, often isolated areas so what are some of the things that you're hearing on this southwest tour that um, uh, are are topics that need to be uh, need to be researched and, and drilled down looked at much more well, Tracy, as you know, we've been getting up at half past three in the morning yes, to yes, to, <laughs> to travel uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, kilometres. Uh, now we're only doing that uh, this week, basically, to to attend our our workplaces. Lots of these nurses are actually travelling uh, hundreds of kilometres each day uh, to and from work. Uh, with shift work, they are feeling quite fatigued. Mm. They're doing uh, morning, afternoon shifts and night duties all in a fortnight, sometimes in a week, and they are just feeling exhausted. Uh, we uh, uh, quite understand, having done shift work myself, mm. but I didn't have the added uh, problem of travelling hundreds of uh, kilometres because out outback um, Queensland, Outback Australia, uh, to get to work, that's what a lot of people have to do day in and day out. Mm, so mm. that's been a big issue uh, for a lot of my colleagues that work in the outback. So we are planning to work uh, on this issue, uh, sleep, sleep health for the nurses in our next DB. So for those listeners across the world, nursing obviously varies no matter where you are, but fatigue is one of the big, big uh, issues that that are faced by nurses everywhere in the world, especially when they've got shift work and how they can um, improve their their time uh, to be working more effectively and productively and safely for for both the patient and the the nurse themselves. What are some of your tips and tricks that um, the strategies that you would you'd be sharing with those nurses? Well, I would be looking at the rostering practices, mm-hmm. uh, 
we all know we all have a circadian rhythm and nurses whilst they are super they do need their sleep yeah. so i would be thinking that we look at uh, people going back and uh, previously people would do night duty and i think that they because you do night duty there needs to be some reward to that also uh, other people just doing monday uh, doing uh, shift work morning and afternoon shift Uh uh, just to get some uh, balance in their lifestyle Uh because we do talk about uh, work-life balancing in in, uh, the organisations that I work with and I think we really have to have that implemented. Work-life balance is something that we we can't neglect, is it? And I know in this tour, the Southwest Tour we've been doing with both NPAQ, which is your association, and the Teachers Professional Association as well. We're hearing this all the time. We're hearing this as a worldwide topic no matter what workforce you're in. But for nurses who are frontline workers, this is huge. And uh, it, I'm amazed at hearing stories of the, the hours they're doing. So I'm hearing they're, they're doing incredible number of hours, which, which has to be taking its toll. Yes, and... Uh... We've heard uh, from uh, nursing colleagues that uh, because uh, uh, there is a shortage of nursing, nurses, I should say, mm. uh, in uh, the outback, mm. uh, they can't maintain the uh, ratios that uh, uh, that in uh, the state of Queensland, Queensland Health, we have a one-to-four uh, nurse-patient ratio. They can't uh, roster to maintain that or actually at all. So uh, we are just letting people know uh, that there are jobs and brilliant jobs out in the outback and uh, a lot of our nurses have been asking us, do you know of any nurses that want to work in the outback? So uh, a great opportunity for those people who want to come to the, to the outback and they're great teams that you, you'll be working with uh, yeah. So you may or may not know, if you're listening to us, that uh, we have an organisation called the Royal Flying Doctor Service or the RFDS. And actually, I was speaking to a person in the US the other day and they said they loved the movies uh, on the Flying Doctor. And and the importance of the Flying Doctor Service is that it literally serves people over this geographically enormous area. And it, geographically, it's, it's almost half the half this uh, bottom half of the state and they're flying they're in the sky every single day and they're working in the plane with very little space but they're delivering really really high quality uh, care to people uh, in, in across the outback whether they're um, tourists who have had accidents or whether they're people on stations all sorts of um, of um, issues are happening so across that area of nursing uh, can you just tell our listeners some of the some of the day-to-day things that they would be doing besides the the, the high-end accident case uh, the RFD nurses do uh, a broad range uh, in their practice from primary health to intensive care uh, delivery uh, I work in a metropolitan hospital and we liaise with the RFDS uh, on a daily basis, uh, quite regularly, to bring emergencies through from the outback to uh, the cities for uh, intensive care. Uh, In transit, uh, these nurses are caring for 
these patients, they're intubated patients, are mm-hmm. uh, quite, quite ill uh, in a bumpy plane to get pa- patients to uh, the city for mm. uh, emergency care. They just do a brilliant job and the outcomes for patients living in uh, rural Australia are just fantastic. Thank you, RFDS nurses. Yes, so if you are in the nursing industry and you're looking for a job to satisfy uh, your desire to travel, to fly, to do air medicine with the, along with the doctors, RFDS doctors, and to work out back, then uh, please um, let us know. Leave a message at um, bbs.com and you will find us and uh, we'll be able to share some more information around that. But let's get back to NPAQ, the association you work for, uh, Margaret. Tell us why um, why your association is so great for its members. NPAQ is great for our members. It's an organisation, nurses for nurses. Uh, We are looking at uh, the frontline staff and clinicians and encouraging uh, change for their workplace. Uh, We have a brilliant team put together, uh, diverse um, professions. We've got uh, uh, lawyers, nurses, um, marketing uh, and people at uh, industrial uh, advocates as well, and they're on the end of the phone line to take your uh, the call of our nurses. So NPAQ came in, as we mentioned before, long after the old established uh, nurses' union. So what, what, what was the, some of the challenges that you experienced as the new, new kid on the block? New kid on the block... Um, I, uh, as uh, a representative of NPAQ, spoke about uh, nursing education uh, and uh, how we saw into the 21st century we need to to pair um, nursing education with uh, skills and skill enhancement. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the QNNU did not uh, feel that that was pertinent and how dare I speak out, um, uh, which basically contravenes our um, freedom of association, our um, freedom of choice and freedom of speech, which uh, uh, is our democratic right. Uh, I could then see why uh, other nurses in the profession uh, were feeling that uh, they were being challenged uh, by this sort of behaviour. Fortunately, I've got a little bit of age on me, so I could actually deal with this. And I had a brilliant um, support system with NPAQ and felt uh, that I was correct in in my thinking. Mm. They did as well. And... Uh, we have now got going from strength to strength and providing this service to each and every one of our mm. members. So I'm hearing um, correctly that there's been resistance from the other union against uh, the NPAQ coming in onto their turf. Uh, 
which um, one would think that they'd be more than happy. There's so many nurses in uh, Queensland that uh, there's plenty, plenty of opportunity to help and support, which would be a very collaborative, uh, co-creative opportunity, but it hasn't been. And, and what I'm picking up, obviously, as we travel around, is that there's a little bit of fear going on that people might be uh, being co- coerced, perhaps to not not uh, listen to you. Would that be correct or have I missed that? Yes, um, that does happen on uh, occasions. However, because uh, people uh, are aware that we uh, can speak face-to-face, mm. the uh, conversation train is now that they're quite okay. I guess it's mm. like a little bit like sibling rivalry yeah. <laughs> when yeah. uh, the young baby arrives that yeah. somebody gets jealous and I guess... We're de- dealing with that in yeah. uh, on a bigger scale. So you're the little sister. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but isn't it great that the hospitals welcome you in through their doors and uh, allow you to, uh, or not even allow, uh, enable you to speak to the nurses and uh, and listen to them and share share some of the support that you're able to give them. Yes, and I, I commend the nursing profession and mm. nurses individually for uh, not being uh, involved in uh, political or uh, uh, nonsense mm. and getting down to basic communication because that's what mm-hmm. we are and everyone has individual differences. Everyone has individual different uh, likes and dislikes and whether you pick one union or the other, it doesn't concern us. We are here to provide uh, our services to those members that have chosen to join us. Mm. And uh, we've got a lot of people uh, joining us as our numbers are swelling. Yes. So now, when you hear the word union, we, we always um, we always think of a political a political um, um, action and response in behind that. So unions uh, traditionally in Australia are um, definitely associated with uh, political politics in that way that they're trying to push push their um, their beliefs and, and whatnot especially in with industrial relations so uh, tell me what's different about this union or TPA uh, NPAQ in terms of that political um, field well Tracy I think it uh, really boils down to our actual name the nurses professional Association mm. of Queensland. We are a professional organisation. We are uh, and espouse to be professional mm. uh, in our management of our, of nursing. Mm. So tell me, we, we uh, I've been reading in the media lately. There's um, a hot topic, and no doubt it's a hot topic worldwide. But it's assisted dying. Can you can you please tell me a little bit about the background with with this uh, topic and what's happening in that field? Uh, in uh, in Queensland, uh, uh, voluntary assisted dying is being introduced into Parliament. Uh, the Nurses Professional Association believe that uh, the population has a, the right to have a choice. Uh, palliative care services in uh, Queensland, specifically, are quite underfunded and uh, not resourced sufficiently for individuals living in uh, outback uh, mm. Queensland uh, or out of the city uh, to have access. And we believe uh, 
as nurses do no harm and that would mean that each an individual Queenslander is entitled to being um, afforded access to palliative care services. It's mm. their right to choose. Okay, so there's a real difference, isn't there, between the conversations around palliative care and voluntary assisted dying, and I'm hearing this conversation everywhere I go. Can you explain to our listeners then what, what it is that's going on there? Okay. Palliative care is uh, the care of a patient from diagnosis uh, of uh, an illness uh, to uh, end of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harvard studies actually indicate that if people receive palliative care, there's less pain, uh, less hospitalisation, and also they have uh, at least six months of uh, quality of life longer. So we think that's a lot uh, at the mm-hmm. end of life that uh, people are afforded. And these services delivered by palliative care nurses and doctors who can manage their symptoms. We hear, unfortunately, that people uh, are are dying in pain. Well, that should never, never happen. Uh, As nurses, we are advocates for uh, pain management Mm. and to ensure that the individual is uh, comfortable to the end of their days. Mm. So with this... um, this, um passing of the, the the bill or act is it uh the bill, bill? Is, is presented i think it's still in the pla- in mm. the stages being debated in parliament is my understanding mm. so with the passing of the bill comes a big chunk of money i'm assuming that's going to go somewhere within the state at the state level what are your concerns happening there with that funding our concerns are that Money is going to bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. We are advocating as the Nurses Professional Association that this money actually goes to uh, the front line to provide the care. Uh, we see too often that the money is uh, taken up with bureaucracy mm. and the crumbs uh, get fed to the consumer. We, as as nurses, uh, advocate for Uh, our patients, and we are demanding that money now actually flows to the bottom line. It's the 21st century. We've got computerisation, telehealth, everything that could actually cut out a lot of uh, this administration. Mm. And nurses are professional. Doctors have the knowledge base. We know how to... uh, plan uh, care, Mm. we know the costings uh, and what we are saying is that money should directly flow to the bottom line. Mm. And and that's where it should be, shouldn't it? It should be with the nurses uh, and the patients at that level uh, if they're looking at something like a change as in the voluntary assisted dying bill, then they need to direct that money to that um, that chalk face, so to speak, yes, yes, yeah, yes, and uh, yes. do something there. Yeah. So, what are you suggesting? Well, I, uh, people have the the the, the right to choose. Mm. Uh, we are saying that, uh, based on uh, our research, uh, looking at European studies, mm. somewhere between zero point three seven percent and zero point nine four percent 
of people actually take up uh, uh, voluntary assisted dying. So that's just under 1% of the population. Uh, it's also been stated that uh, people that actually uh, sign consent for uh, to proceed with voluntary assisted dying, uh, in the end only 50% of those take up that option. Mm-hmm. So they are then left with the care that you know, we're hearing that they've got pain, excess pain, uh, traumatised families, when that can be resolved by the money flowing into palliative care for uh, to resource the needs of the patient. Mm. So it's a win-win for everyone, isn't that's, it? That's right. Yeah, yes. so palliative care yes. provides that excellent uh, support to, to those patients' end of life that's as well as those patients who elect to uh, take the voluntary assisted dying uh, road, then you've got the best of both worlds, both for the patient first and foremost, for the nurses and for the families. So it's a it's a three way it's a three way street, isn't it? That's exactly right. Because uh, a lot of these patients uh, can be uh, nursed at home and mm. services brought in. Mm. Uh, I've had experience twice in my life with uh, my father in law when. Uh, uh, that occurred. Mm. Uh, my uh, father-in-law was uh, with us till uh, ten minutes to twelve. He sat up and in bed and basically said God, goodbye to us, lay down, and then he's he was uh, passed away mm. at midnight. Mm. Uh, my mother was uh, cared for. She she lived in a rural area, um, and uh, fortunately, um, I had three sisters who were nurses uh, who provided care for her. She did not want to go to a hospital and uh, it provided uh, an amazing experience for all of us uh, because mum had what uh, she desired and we were able to work through the grieving process much quicker because we knew that she was afforded uh, excellent nursing palliative care. So we know across the world we have increasing uh, aged populations. So this is this is a topic that has to be sent and foremost now, whether we like it or not. And it's certainly an area that uh, needs needs um, help and support in in a good positive way. So what's the NPAQ's role in that? What what's, what are you doing right now? What is NPAQ doing in terms of this bill? NPAQ is uh, promoting uh, uh, for the population of Queensland that they need a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It is not uh, my personal decision no. uh, which way uh, myself or an organisation determines it's our members and our members are telling us that they feel concerned having to uh, be involved in voluntary assisted dying. Mm-hmm. Um Currently, there is an issue within the um, in the, with the bill because we have a Commonwealth Criminal Code which actually precludes uh, anybody uh, assisting uh, in suicide. That bill mm. has not been repealed, mm. uh, so we're actually feeling that we're uh, we're walking a significant tightrope. Mm. Uh, registrations are on the line. Okay, so being the devil's advocate now. Uh, let's have a look at that conversation. So put the elephant in the room well and truly. What if, what about uh, those people who do welcome the opportunity for the choice 
of a voluntary assisted dying. That's obviously going to cause some issues for people, but once again, it's still a choice of, for the patient. Can you tell me what, what you're thinking there? Well, the patient has that right uh, to make that choice, mm. uh, just as the nurse has the mm. right to make the choice mm. in the delivery of their care. Mm. We are professionals and we have that that right. Mm. Currently, um, our members say we our, um, uh, we pr- promote do no do no harm, which is our mantra, um, and this actually. Pres- um, presents to us an ethical dilemma. So for those nurses who would be um, uh, uh, able uh, and willing to participate in that, so you saying that uh, there should be that option once again for a nurse to elect yes or no, I'm, I'm, I'm able to participate in, in A, B and C? Yes, uh, mm. yes. Mm. A, a nurse is an individual. They have yeah. their own moral uh, yeah. code of... Uh, mm conduct and they have the right to make that decision okay so you're not actually saying no no to voluntary assisted you're just saying we're we're saying that that there needs to be a choice and that choice needs to be uh funded Mm. currently it's being said that basically uh in uh queensland that voluntary assisted dying is is uh palliative care on on the cheap Yes. Mm. Mm. yes. It's a hot topic, isn't it? It certainly is, yes. Yeah. It's an interesting topic and it's one that we have to have, isn't it? And it's, and it's great that you're able to come here today to share uh, that conversation because it's probably one that not a lot of people want to even talk about, let alone consider. And so um, it, it's an interesting one, that's for sure. So if you've lost a, a family member or a close friend, you, you will have you will definitely have an opinion around this. So what happens next then in this area, in this topic? What happens next? What's going to happen now? We've uh, put uh, to uh, Parliament, to Members of Parliament, uh, what NPAQ members have said Mm -hmm. and we are expecting them as voters for uh, in the Queensland electorates, mm-hmm. that they can uh, have a choice. Mm. So you've done a survey of some sort, have you? Yes, we have done a, a mm. survey, yes. yes. That's great. And what, what was the results of that? Uh, basically, um, as nurses, uh, then there's a big, big percentage that say they don't want to be involved. And what sort of percentage is a big percentage? Well, uh, over 90%, yep. yes, but okay. there, and there are some of those that are undecided. Mm-hmm. So with the undecided, what are you, what are you professing? Obviously, it's got to be some sort of procedure and process. So what are you suggesting for those that do elect to be part of the process? What sort of process are you, you um, supporting there? What, what would you like to see? Well, I think there's, there has to be significant amounts of co- uh, consultation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it is actually worked out cut and dried so people know where they actually mm-hmm. stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, nurses uh, in the workplace have enough pressure without having to be stressed by, by mm-hmm. an ethical dilemma day in and day out. So taking that, that decision-making away from them and giving that to the doctor, mm-hmm. is that what you're saying? No, uh, uh, an individual nurse has the right uh, to decide what uh, practices she is or he is involved mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but for those people who do elect to to be a part of 
the process of uh, a, a voluntary assisted dying. For those people, what is the best process for them? Because no matter what, at some stage level, someone has to give that authority, and I would expect that's not a nurse. That would be a doctor or someone who has to well, sign off fact, on the certificate. Well, initially it is actually the patient's decision. Yes, yes. So uh, there would be, need to be a panel mm-hmm. that actually had mm. to determine. So it's not just one person. No. So we see that overseas, yes. that overseas yes. model, yes. don't we? Yeah. 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 And you think that's a good model? That's quite What's happening overseas? Uh, that's quite a reasonable model for those yeah. people. But, yeah. you know, as we said before, the 50% of those people don't uh, in the end. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, if you look at cubular rosses, uh, stages of dying, uh, people are uh, angry to start with. Mm. Uh, mm. And mm. sometimes we have seen, like in Outback uh, Australia, there is uh, the issues around uh, suicide mm. uh, because there isn't the services there to actually support people to make an informed decision mm, uh, mm. At, at that uh, in the initial stages then there's the anger uh, and uh, um, depression etc mm. so that all of those uh, symptoms have to be um, have intervention and considered mm, uh, mm. and work work uh, the individual through that process yes. Mm. Okay, so we've got lots of information there on uh, the voluntary assisted dying. Can you tell us what else, what other topics are um, uh, up front and um, spiky perhaps at the moment? Yes, any spiky, any juicy spiky Uh, topics that we can quickly explore before we run out of time? I believe um, by and large um, nurses are, reasonably happy within their workplace. Mm. They feel that there has to be change in, uh, like, shift work. There has to be change in uh, their, in models of care. Uh, we're looking at uh, emergency departments, which are understaffed at the present time. Um, and the money has to go to the front line mm. because mm. Uh, for years and years and years they have, they have been stretched and stretched and stretched mm. and that elastic band has got no uh, more pliable more pliability left. It's ready to snap, yes, isn't it? Yes, yeah. and we see that uh, across mm. the nation. With uh, I think in Western Australia we have seen that nurses are actually, and doctors are um, starting to protest. Mm. So, yeah, yes. why join NPAQ? Well, NPAQ is here to... Uh, change the system and we are going to look at uh, lobbying uh, mm-hmm. our respective uh, representatives in uh, politics, the government, to ensure that nurses do get a fair share of this budget uh, so it can be uh, implemented, uh, yeah. change, implementing change on the bottom yeah. line. Okay, so MPAQ is run by nurses, for nurses, not by union officials. That's a really important point, isn't it? That's correct. There's zero party politics. So NPAQ does not allow uh, any of that shenanigans with uh, the political um, affiliation. And that means that there's lower fees because money isn't given to other political 
um, affiliates. So support when you need it, which is immediate, isn't it? When they pick up the phone, someone's there on the, on the line ready to give help straight away. The initial response is within one business day and workplace issues are consultively uh, resolved. Nursing interests first, focus on the patient care, not the paperwork. I love that. I love that point. Focus on the nurse and their patient care, not on the paperwork. So anyone can join, nurses, enrolled nurses, nurse practitioners, nurse managers and midwives can be members, AIN, allied uh, health professionals, paramedics, ward persons and support staff. So there's a lot of people there that, um, that can join and become a member of NPAQ. Yes, that's correct, Tracy. yes. Okay, well, that sounds wonderful. So in finishing off there, what legal support is available in, uh, in, for a member uh, registered with MPAQ? MPAQ uh, has a, a brilliant team of uh, legal expertise uh, and our members have immediate access to those. Uh, any issues that need to be uh, on-forwarded uh, are stepped up to a legal form firm, I beg your pardon, and uh, dealt with. Yes. Okay then. So if someone wants to become a member of NPAQ, how do they join? We have got uh, our websites up, NPAQ. You can uh, see see that on uh, electronically. You can also uh, approach uh, people in your workplace. We have uh, a number of branch secretaries and delegates uh, throughout uh, Queensland hospitals, uh, and uh, they will give you information. So uh, we do have um, our phone number. Okay, so if you want to become a member of NPAQ in Queensland, then you will need to find the link, which is www.npaq.com.au. So that's the Nurses Professional Association Queensland, NPAQ, or there's a phone number, 1300-CODE-PH. That's the hotline at npaq.com.au. So if you're interested in becoming a member, and there's certainly lots and lots of value-added benefits there with NPAQ, and the paradigm shift, shift is real, it's happening and I'm seeing and hearing fabulous, uh, fabulous stories and comments from uh, nurses and um, uh, paramedics, etc. As we travel around, so that's a point to to take into consideration. So if you are in Queensland, Australia, NPAQ is definitely a site that you want to visit. www.npaq.com.au. For those people who are overseas, guess what? I think they're going to Chicago next year. So there you go. If you want to meet the the heads and the executive and uh, the leaders of uh, NPAQ, then stay in touch with us and uh, keep your eye out on that website. And when those borders open and the planes are flying, I'm pretty sure they're going to Chicago first step, first stop. That'd be right. I believe so. Talking about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So it's come to the point where, as I said to you, we are in um, the outback of Australia, in the southwest of Queensland, and we are 
thousands of uh, kilometres away from the city and right out here. And we actually have a bird flying around above us and we're in a library. It's a very, very small town, but the nursing is really, really, really high quality. So it's lovely to see all the nurses and all the very best to all nurses out there across the world. You do a wonderful job and we love what you do. For us, it's time to say goodbye and thank you, Margaret, for coming on board right out here in the outback in Kalamala in the southwest Queensland and I hope to speak to you again. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> Cheers. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another 60 Minutes of Inspiring Talking Points on Tracy Tully Talks, brought to you by bbsradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Australian Time, AEST, and 5 p.m. PT Time in America. Leave me a message on my website at www.bbsradio.com forward slash Tracy Tully Talks. If you're interested in lifting the profile, presence and profit of your business, sponsorship opportunities are available. Until next Thursday, it's goodbye from me.